0: Hi, I'm Cambo, and welcome to True Crime Island Special Edition. Grab your beers and pull up your deck chairs, as tonight I'm going to talk to you about the Grenfield Tower fire. Well, maybe I should say the Grenfield Tower disaster. So the Grenfield Tower is located in North Kensington, West London, in the poor part of town that is quite affluent areas close by. The 24-storey tower was designed in 1967, with Kensington and Chelsea Council approving its construction in 1970 as part of Phase 1 of the Lancaster West Development Project. Construction started in 1972, with the building completed in 1974. It was built as council housing. The building contained 120 one- and two-bedroom flats, six apartments per floor on 20 of the 24 storeys with the other four being used for non-residential purposes. It housed up to 600 people, with plans for a regeneration project for the tower publicised in 2012. The tower is managed by Kensington and Chelsea Tenant Management Organisation, or KCTMO, the largest tenant management organisation, or TMO, in England, on behalf of Kensington and Chelsea Council. The TMO has a board comprising eight residents, four council-appointed members and three independent members. Overseen by Studio E Architects, the £8.7 million refurbishment undertaken by Ryden Limited, was completed in 2016. As part of the project, in 2015-16, to 16, the concrete structure received new windows and new aluminium composite cladding. Arconic Renobond, two coil coated aluminium sheets that are fusion bonded to both sides of a polyethylene core. And Renolux material with Celotex RS5000 5000 PIR thermal insulation. The work was carried out by Harley facades of Crowborough, East Sussex, at a cost of £2.6 million. So what was a solid, but maybe out of date fashion wise concrete building, was tarted up by covering it in cheap, nasty aluminium cladding and replacing the existing windows. Now I will get back to the cladding material they used a bit later on, but now I just want to have a look at the fire incident itself. Just before 1am on the 14th of June 2017, a fire broke out in the apartments which quickly spread, trapping many of the residents. It's believed at this time, although not confirmed, that the fire started in a fourth floor apartment when a fridge caught fire. The tenant raised the alarm by banging on the doors of his neighbours and emergency services were called. At 1am, The first of the fire crews arrive at the scene to be confronted by a rapidly developing and complex fire. At around 1.16am, police arrive and start to evacuate residents, noting that there are a number of people injured. At 1.29am, London Ambulance Service is called and they send 20 ambulance crews and a hazardous response team. By 1:41 a.m., the fire has spread to the top floor and around all sides of the building. At 2:34, there are reports that people on the uppermost floors are signaling with torches to try to get the attention of rescuers. At 2:49, London Fire Brigade say that 200 firefighters are now on the scene. At 4:45, there were witness reports of people throwing their children out of the windows and that some of the residents tied bedsheets together and climbed down to the ground. At 11.45am, London Ambulance Service say that 64 patients have been taken to hospital, with 20 in critical care. A further 10 people have made their own way to hospital. At this stage, although the fire is under control, it is still burning and firefighters are trying to search for survivors, but the building is too dangerous to enter the uppermost floors. By midday, construction firm Ryden Group, which completed the refurbishment of Grenfield Tower in 2016, releases a statement. We are shocked to hear the devastating fire at Grenfield Tower, and our immediate thoughts are with those who have been affected by the incident." their families, relatives and friends. Ryden completed a partial refurbishment of the building in the summer of 2016 for Kensington and Chelsea Tenant Management Organisation on behalf of the Council. The project met all required building regulations and handover took place when the completion notice was issued by the Department of Building Control, the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea. We are working with the relevant authorities and emergency services to fully support their inquiries into the causes of this fire. Robert Bond, CEO, Ryden Group. Their press release was updated the next day. We welcome the announcement of the public inquiry into the tragic incident at Grenfell Tower. In the immediate term, we've offered our full help and support to the relevant authorities who are investigating the causes. We would also like to praise the tireless effort and bravery of the emergency services who continue to deal with this tragic incident. Ride and Maintenance Limited completed a partial refurbishment of the building in the summer of 2016 for KCTMO on behalf of the Council, which met all required building regulations as well as fire regulation and health and safety standards, and handover took place when the completion notice was issued by the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea Building Control. I'm personally shocked and devastated by what has happened at Grenfell Tower, and my thoughts are with the families and friends of those affected. We have been working with local authorities for nearly 40 years and safety and quality are integral to everything we do at Ryden. I will do all I can to assist in the investigation in order to establish what's caused this tragedy. In light of the public inquiry, we cannot make any further comment at this time. Robert Bond, CEO, Ryden Group I reckoned that once Robert Bond started to get reports of the scale of the disaster, that his first thoughts that were the shit cladding that was used in the refurbishment was pretty much going to go up in flames pretty quickly, and I bet you he wished the two pound a square metre more expensive product had been used. See, it would have cost a few thousand pounds more to put the fire rated product on the building rather than the shit they used. Robert Bond would surely have had to have known this. In other parts of the world, the shit panelling they used is banned or not allowed to be used above 15 or 20 metres in height. This is so that firefighters' ladders can reach high enough in an emergency situation. Any use of ACM above this height has to be made of fire-resistant and or fireproof versions of the product. In fact, from the manufacturer of French-based iconic architectural products The brochure shows panels with a fire retardant core, the FR model, according to Arconic's website, can be used for buildings of up to 30 metres tall. Above that height, it says panels with a non-combustible core, the A2 model, should be used. Fire safety experts say polyethylene is generally avoided in tall buildings as it has been linked to a number of rapidly spreading fires at skyscrapers in Dubai and elsewhere. Polyethylene is a thermoplastic material which melts and drips as it burns, spreading the fire downwards as well as upwards. Grenfield Tower is over 60 metres tall. I can imagine the emergency meeting Robert Bond would have held in his nice little ACM-free office as the upper management went into damage control to save their own asses, Call the lawyers and make some bullshit statement about how shocked they are and how they will do everything to assist with the investigation. Mate, these are just words coming out of your mouth. We didn't see you on the scene of the burnt-out shell of your refurb project. Did you sleep well, Robert? Look, he isn't the only one to blame. The reason Robin Bond and his cohorts were allowed to use cheap shit materials is because the authorities hold inquests when these things happen, but ignore the findings. Here's one example from June 11, 1999, when a fire ripped through the nine floors of the 14-story tower block at Garnock Court in Irvine, North Ayrshire. The fire started on the fifth floor and engulfed the next eight floors in a matter of minutes, killed a disabled man, 55-year-old Alexander Linton and injured five others. Witnesses say it took five minutes and went up like a matchstick once the exterior cladding caught alight. There was a parliamentary inquiry into the fire in the year 2000. Its final report concluded... We do not believe it should take a serious fire in which many people are killed before all reasonable steps are taken towards minimising the risks. We believe that all external cladding systems should be required either to be entirely non-combustible or to be proven through full-scale testing not to pose an unacceptable level of risk in terms of fire spread. The committee added, There have been few recorded incidents of serious fire spread involving external cladding, and although, in our view, any loss of life incidents such as these should be prevented, if at all possible, neither have there been many deaths. It also said the evidence the committee received during the inquiry did not suggest that the majority of the external cladding systems currently in use in the UK pose a serious threat to life or property in the event of fire. On November 25, 2014, the La Crosse building in Melbourne, Australia, went up in flames after a cigarette started a fire on the 8th floor balcony and then quickly spread vertically up the building. The cladding material was an aluminium composite, the same type of cladding covering Grenfell Tower. It took 6 minutes to reach the top of the building above the 21st floor. Fire Brigade officials reported the extremely vertical nature of the burn patterns to the exterior face of the wall suggests that the acclubest aluminium cladding along with the foam lagging and PVC pipe of the building wall contributed to the fire load and the rapid spread of the fire up the vertical face of the building to the floors and balcony areas located above. Had the external wall cladding been of non-combustible type, the likelihood of fire spread beyond the level of ignition would have been greatly reduced. On May 24, 2015, a fire ripped through several floors of a high-rise on Charles Street in Springburn, Glasgow. Around 40 firefighters were sent to the scene and took more than three hours to bring the blaze under control. Three residents were treated for minor injuries, Witness John Quinn told the Daily Record at the time, This is the worst fire I've seen in a multi-storey building and I think the cladding on the building is actually fueling it. The fire seemed to catch the cladding and drip down to the flats below. It became more ferocious as it hit the cladding. On September 24, 2014, residents in Petershill's formerly iconic Red Road Flats, now demolished, were evacuated after a fire was discovered in the external cladding of the 30-storey building. So that's just a few of the examples where external cladding has been blamed for why a fire has spread so quickly. Okay. so were there warnings that this building posed a fire risk? Oh yes there were. The Grenfell Action Group have for years complained to the relevant authorities about issues regarding the safety of the towers. One issue was the parking of vehicles in the no-parking restricted emergency access zones. Despite repeated complaints to the authorities about the issues, they were constantly fobbed off and nothing ever done to keep this area clear in case of an emergency. The action group on their blog said, We would be very interested to see whether the London Fire Brigade can fit four appliances into the Grenfell Tower emergency access zone especially if it is obstructed with multiple parked service vehicles, as it so often is during working hours. Given that Lancaster West Management and London Fire Brigade have both dismissed our concerns about such obstructions, we would even dare to suggest that arrangements are made to ensure that a minimum six service vehicles are deliberately parked in this area. For the duration of the Grenfell Tower exercise, including three in the gallows gated area to test access and manoeuvrability of fire appliances under emergency circumstances. At the end of their blog, they say, one thing is certain, they can't say they haven't been warned. Now this is in regards to the access to the Grenfell Tower. Now it is very restrictive as there's only one way in. That means that if there's any vehicles parked in the emergency access area that it will severely restrict the movements of an already very restrictive area to get the fire brigade appliances in. The Grenfell Action Group also reported on their blog... It is a truly terrifying thought, but the Grenfell Action Group firmly believe that only a catastrophic event will expose the ineptitude and incompetence of our landlord, the KCTMO, and bring an end to the dangerous living conditions and neglect of health and safety legislation that they inflict upon their tenants and leaseholders. They went on to say that only an incident that results in serious loss of life will any action be done in regards to fire safety. Well, it's happened. So in the days that followed, the Prime Minister went to the location but cowardly avoided any of the angry crowd gathered there and only met with fire brigade officials because she said there was a security risk. Funny that. The Queen turned up to meet the people the next day. May did announce a proper investigation would be held. Wow, that's nice, but should be expected. There would be plenty of well-crafted words to come out of the mouths of those in charge or of those that were responsible for the refurb. Just empty words. It has been found that not only has there been dangerous materials used in the refurb, but calls for a sprinkler system to be installed was knocked back as it would have added about £1,000 for each unit, so a total cost of just over £100,000. Also, gas piping that should have been isolated from fire by boxing it with fire-retardant material had been left exposed. Residents claimed that the fire alarm systems did not work and that they had been told in the event of a fire to close their doors and stay inside. Clearly this is attributed to the high death toll. But as you can see by the pictures online, that the cladding went up in flames quickly. This would have sucked all the oxygen out of the building so fast that unless you evacuated immediately, you would have had no chance to get down the fire stairs if you were on a higher level. In the past days, former Chief Fire Officer Ronnie King, who is Secretary of the all-party parliamentary group on fire safety, said urgent requests for meetings with ministers and action to tighten rules were stonewalled. King, who was a Chief Fire Officer for 20 years, said they seem to need a disaster to change regulations rather than evidence and experience. It was the same with the King's Cross fire and the Bradford City Football Club fire. They always seem to need a significant loss of life before things are changed. He said that requests for meetings with former Housing Minister Gavin Barwell, now Theresa May's Chief of Staff, were turned down. They are politicians and I am a professional fire adviser. I understand the difficulties they have with this, King said, but he repeated they always seem to need a significant loss of life before things are changed. Well, so far there are 58 confirmed dead, with still more missing. The death toll may rise to as high as 100 people, with many still in critical condition in hospital. So, true crime islanders, what I reckon is, that the refurbishment used cheaper, non-fire rated cladding that is banned in other countries on buildings this height and this cladding, once it caught fire, quickly engulfed the exterior of the building. Fire alarms did not go off, and even if they did, residents were advised that in the event of a fire, to stay put inside their apartments. As has happened before, the ones that ignored this advice are still alive. Resident action groups have for years been ignored when they have brought up safety-related matters to the relevant authorities, Stating that only a major loss of life will make anyone take their concern seriously. To have renovated this building in such a way as to make it safe in case of emergency would have added less than one hundred fifty thousand pounds to the overall cost. You see, the residents of this towers, like so many other residential blocks, are usually made up of the poor, the sick and the elderly those people that yield very little power to our got mine fuck you society they've been told that their housing is good enough and be happy with what they've got well it's these people that have come together to donate money food clothes and help house the affected residents in fact so much was donated that there wasn't enough room to cope with it all people have now been advised to donate money rather than goods The people have also come out in force with several protests occurring across London. People are demanding justice for Grenfell and demanding safe, affordable housing for all. Maybe this is a turning point, a British spring so to speak, time for the people to stand up and as Damo pointed out to me and I agree, the Grenfell Tower disaster is a conversion of all the evils of our age, deregulation, Inequality, corporate power, loss of democracy, etc. You see, England isn't a third world country, so you expect a bit more when it comes to the fundamental safety and security standards of where you live. It will be found that corporate and government bastardry will be the key reason all these people have lost their lives. It's time to make a stand. So like in the film Network, everyone open your windows and yell out. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Okay, True Crime Islanders, there's so much more that will come out in the next few days, weeks and months. I'll put out a full episode once all the facts are in. Next normal episode of True Crime Island will be released next Sunday night and I will announce all the Patreon and PayPal supporters that have come on board to help develop the island. The response has been amazing and I'm deeply thankful for your support. I would like to quickly thank Jason Abercrombie, Margaret MacDonald, Christy Lee, Jennifer edmondson Swider, Jerry Hannafin, Kelly Ann, Damo the Magpie, Erica Lilbitty, Cherry Ann, Real Kaz and Senga Robertson that joined in on the Rage on my Facebook and Twitter pages. Don't forget to spread the word, and you can download or subscribe via iTunes or your favourite podcatcher app. And you can check out my website, truecrimeisland.com, where you can download or stream every episode, as well as access the merch store and Patreon. This is Cambo, and you've been listening to a True Crime Island Special Edition. And as always, don't forget to delete your browser history.